Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. We are going to be in Mark chapter 13, and we're going to be going through uh, the Olivet Discourse that Jesus gave to his disciples. And the uh, this discourse was based upon some questions that uh, the disciples had asked Jesus after he had uh, told them what was going to happen to the temple in Jerusalem. And so uh, this discourse, it is a double reference type of uh, discourse. It has um, uh, information relative to uh, what uh, was happening or going to happen within a generation of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, but also applies to uh, the future uh, day and time uh, that uh, John records in the book of Revelation. So this is a very important chapter that uh, that not only talks about uh, Jesus is talking about things that, that will happen in his time, but also uh, the things that will happen in our future, too. So uh, this is important for us to know. And uh, it's because uh, much of this information that we're going to be talking about, that we're going to talk about in this session, uh, are not talked about in the churches. And they need to be. Uh, because we need to know what's going to happen in in the future Uh uh, either in our future or in our children's future or in our grandchildren's future. Uh, we need to know these things. Amen. And Jesus would want us to know them. So let's go ahead and pray and we'll begin. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we trust in the Holy Spirit to help us deliver accurately your word, Lord. Your word is truth. It's the only thing, Lord, that uh, that we have to stand on, knowing, Lord, that uh, uh, this that we stand upon today will never be moved out of place. Praise God. Your word will endure forever. So just help us, Holy Spirit. Help us both in the uh, in the teaching and in the receiving. And we'll give you thanks for it. Father, in Jesus name. Amen. Praise God. So now let's go ahead and set uh, this uh, this chapter, 13th chapter of Mark. Uh, it's in the evening of the third day. Now, this is Tuesday, Holy Tuesday, Sunday. Jesus rode into Jerusalem. Monday, he went to the temple, cast out the uh, those that sold and bought in the temple. Uh, this is uh, Tuesday now. This is towards the evening. Now, we in the last uh, session, uh, Jesus confronted the uh, Pharisees. He confronted the Herodians. He confronted the Sadducees. Uh, he confronted the scribes. And so now they've retired from Jerusalem. Uh, they've gone to the Mount of Olivet or Mount of Olives. And now on uh, leaving the temple and we'll go ahead and uh, and we'll start there in just a minute. And leaving the temple, Jesus said some things that piqued the disciples interest. And so when they were getting ready to retire for the evening, they asked the Lord about these things. And so this is the basis of this chapter. But we're going to begin in Luke chapter 19. I'm going to read uh, verses 41 through 44. Uh, this will set uh, uh, Mark chapter 13 up. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it saying, if you had known, even you, at least in this your day, notice that in this your day, the day that you're living, the things which belong unto your peace. If you would just know what the plan and the purpose that God has for you, but you don't. 
because now they are hid from your eyes. And why are they hid? Because they have rejected the Lord. You see, true revelation comes to those who believe in Christ as Savior and are looking to him for revelation. People who are not looking for to Christ for revelation aren't going to get revelation. Verse 43, for the days shall come upon the, upon you that your enemies shall cast a trench about you and compass you around and keep you in on every side. And they shall lay even with the ground thy children within me and shall not leave upon the one stone upon another because you knew not the time of your visitation. So the blame and the cause of this judgment that is going to come upon Jerusalem in 70 A.D. is based solely upon the unbelief of the Jews. They didn't know their time of visitation. Just like many uh, living in this world today, many perhaps living to this radio broadcast or this podcast do not know the time of their visitation. The time, Jesus said, Paul said this, the time is now for salvation. Amen. This is your time, friend. This is your time of visitation. Amen. And what are you going to do with it? Are you going to ignore it like you have in days and months and years past? Or are you going to really begin to look into these things? I advise you, look into these things. Look into eternal life. Look into the gospel. Don't ignore it. Look into it. Amen. Don't miss your time of visitation. Amen. All right, Mark chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. And as he went out of the temple... One of his disciples said to him, Master, see the manner of stones and the buildings that are here. And Jesus answering said to him, Do you see these great buildings? There shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives over against the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign when all these things shall be fulfilled? Now, Matthew's gospel is the more comprehensive than Mark's. Mark's is the shorter version. And in Matthew's gospel, he records three questions posed by the disciples to Jesus. When shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the age? Now, many commentators, scholars say that Jesus only asked two questions, but it's quite obvious he asked three questions. When shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the age? Amen. The first two questions Jesus answers in Matthew chapter 24. The third question, the end of the age, Jesus answers in Matthew chapter 25. And so that's why I like Matthew's uh, gospel, Matthew's record, uh, more than I do Mark's. But uh, Mark includes the most important parts, the very important parts, amen, that, uh, that you and I need to understand if, if we are going to capture the idea concerning the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, uh, if we're going to continue to look up and live our lives in such a way 
that we're looking for Jesus to come at any moment, amen, then Matthew's record is going to give us, amen, that which we need in order to do that. And it's so unfortunate that so many denominations, so many churches, and the majority of the Christian population in this world, I mean, in this country, uh, have never been taught these things. Either what what they have been taught in Matthew chapter 13 and Luke chapter 21, I mean, in Mark chapter 13, Luke chapter 21 and Matthew chapter 24 has already taken place already in the past. And so the people that are taught that have nothing to look forward to. But I'm telling you that there is uh, the in the gospel, the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ that was taught uh within the first century of the beginning of the church. And in the Middle Ages, not the fourth century, is when the church began to teach something entirely different. And so there is the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he tells us in his word to be ready. Amen. And so in uh, Mark 13, chapter 5, uh, what Jesus uh, says here. In answering these questions now, he's setting the conditions uh, in Jerusalem and in the world uh, before the destruction of Jerusalem and also the conditions that will exist towards the end of the age. Now, verse five says this, and Jesus answering them began to say, take heed lest any man deceive you, for many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. And when you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, be ye not troubled, for such things must be, notice that, for such things must be, but the end shall not be yet. Amen. So now Jesus is answering uh, the first two questions posed to him by his disciples, and he's speaking of the events leading up to the destruction of Jerusalem. But now Jesus is also talking about and using the same terminology, we're using the double reference now, the same terminology of conditions that are going to exist going into the Great Tribulation. Now, one thing we do need to understand this is that before the Tribulation begins, the church is going to be raptured out. We know that in Romans chapter 5, verse 9. Much more than being justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. The wrath of God is going to be poured out in the great tribulation, There's, and the church is not going to be a part of that. church is going to be in heaven. Amen. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10. You know, Jesus, I mean, the apostle Paul is telling the church that they are going to escape, amen, the wrath that is to come. And 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1 talks about how the very first thing you know, is going to be the coming of the Lord and our gathering together unto him. Amen. Speaking of the rapture. So the rapture is going to take place before uh, the Antichrist can be revealed, before the tribulation period uh, really uh, begins. And we know that because Paul tells us in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 that the Holy Spirit is going to cease to restrain evil and corruption because he's going to be removed. When the church is taken out, the Holy Spirit will be removed. Amen. And the world, because of the chaos that ensues, the world is going to clamor for a ruler who will deliver them from the chaos. And that has happened throughout history. The German people were clamoring for a leader. Well, along comes Adolf Hitler. 
the China, the, the people of China were so tired of civil war that when the communists came, they received them gladly. But it, it didn't. But what they thought was going to be peace turned out to be something totally different. All right. Verse eight. Notice what else Jesus says. For nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be earthquakes in diverse places. There shall be famines and troubles. These are the beginning of sorrows. All of this took place prior to the destruction of Jerusalem. But now also John records in Revelation chapter six that these very same things are going to happen. Amen. How do we how do we know that these things took place prior to the destruction of Jerusalem? Well, we have a perfect record of Flavius Josephus and his record of the Jewish wars. He goes through beginning way back before uh, Titus ever entered into Jerusalem, the events that took place. He was there. He witnessed that. He recorded that. He recorded what had happened. Verse nine, but take heed to yourselves for they shall deliver up you. They shall deliver you up to councils and in the synagogues you shall be beaten and you shall be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them. And we know that all the original apostles, they all were martyred for their faith before 70 A.D., except for one. And that is the Apostle John. And we have Paul's record of his suffering. Notice in Acts chapter 14, and there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. And then Paul himself in, in writing to the church at Corinth said, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more and labors more abundant and stripes above measure in prisons more frequent and deaths often. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city. In perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. See, this is what the Apostle Paul endured. But all of the disciples of Christ endured these things. And the church has endured these throughout its age. Amen. See, Jesus is not going to save us from trouble in this life. But he did say, I'll be with you in trouble and I will deliver you. Amen. So we have to trust him to do that. But there's coming a day when God's plan is such that he's going to rapture the church and take the church out of this world. Amen. Praise God. Now that goes way back. Way back in the history of the church, all the way back to the letters of the Thessalonians that Paul wrote probably about 10 years after the the uh, the day of Pentecost when the church began. I mean, from its earliest inception, 
uh, Paul was teaching the church concerning the rapture of the church and the second coming of the Lord. And so this is not something that's been developed over the last 150 years. Don't let anybody, don't believe anybody that tries to teach that and tell you that. You know, this doctrine of the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ goes all the way back to the very inception of uh, the church of God. Amen. And then verse 10 says this, and the gospel must first be preached among all nations. Well, Jesus here is speaking of the entire Roman Empire. And this was accomplished by the disciples and the apostles of the Lord within a generation after the day of Pentecost. All the world heard the word of the Lord. But now Jesus is also speaking of our time also. And isn't it interesting how the, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, which began in the West, amen, the Christianization of the Western part of this world now is making its way through the East. Tremendous revivals in China and in the Middle East and in Africa. Well, the word of God is going to make its way back to the West. We are going to see a revival in the West. Amen. Western civilization once again is going to be visited before uh, the rapture of the church. Praise God for that. Now, verse 11 says this, but when they shall lead you and deliver you up, Take no thought beforehand what you shall speak, neither do meditate, pre-meditate. But whatsoever shall be given you in that hour that speak, for it is not you that speak, but the Holy Spirit. Now, I look at this verse this way. Uh, there are many, many believers throughout the world. Uh, they face death and martyrdom for their witness of Jesus Christ. I was reading an article that uh, stated that over 300-something million Christians are being persecuted this very day in this very hour. But when that time comes, that we have to make a decision. Either we're going to stand for Christ or we're going to turn our back on Him. When we make that decision that we're going to stand for Jesus, that at that time, at that hour, it's the Holy Spirit that's going to give us the strength to resist, even unto death. And we are going to glorify the Lord. Amen. Praise God. He is going to give us the boldness to do that. Amen. But in, in the book of Revelation in chapter 12, it's talking about those that remain on, on the earth. You know, they didn't accept Christ before the rapture. Uh, but now they see some things, and so they're holding on. They pledge fealty to Christ. But notice what it says about them. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony and loved that in their lives unto the death. Many are going to cling to Christ, even, even, it, even meaning that they're going to lose their life. Even when it means they lose their life, they're going to cling to Jesus. Amen. Let me tell you, this is our only hope. If you're hoping in government, you, you, you have, you're placing your hope in the wrong area. Amen. Our hope must be in Christ and in his word and his ability, amen, to lead us on to and for us to experience victory in Jesus' name. Now, verse 12 and verse 13. Now the brother shall betray the brother to death and the father the son, and the children shall rise up against their parents and shall cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that shall 
endure until the end, the same shall be saved. And I have read testimony after testimony after testimony of parents who were believers, who were living in a time, uh, could be Nazi Germany, could be communist China, could be anywhere, you know, in our recent uh, history of uh, children turning their parents in to the authorities because they were they were Christians time and time and time and time again. And this is going to happen again. I mean, we just need to be prepared for it. Brother is going to betray brother. This is exactly what took place in 70 A.D. Josephus records these events in his history of the Jewish wars. Amen. What Jesus says here about having taken place, it's going to intensify before the rapture of the church. So you and I just need to be prepared for it. Amen. And we don't need to be afraid. We just need to trust in the Lord. And then beginning in verse 14, Jesus now, he begins to talk about the great tribulation. Verse 14, but when you shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing where it ought not, let him that reads understand, let them, then let them that be in Judea flee to the mountains. Now, the Roman assault upon Israel began in 66 A.D. Titus, he entered in, he conquered village after village, city after city. And the Jews put up strong defenses in a lot of these cities, but still Rome prevailed. And so as uh, Titus began to make his way to Jerusalem, uh, the people that fled, where did they flee? They fled to Jerusalem. But now the, the Christian population in, in Judea, they understood by the writings of the apostles that were circulated at that time what they were to do, and they were to flee from the wrath to come. And that's exactly what they did. They flee. They fled to the mountains. Amen. And so uh, the Christian population escaped the massacre that took place in Jerusalem 70 AD. They knew what to do. The Jews did not because they did not receive uh, the, the witness of uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. They did not receive the, the witness of the disciples or the apostles. Now, we know that this applies to the, uh, to the tribulation period because Titus, he did not set his foot inside the temple. But he saw that temple catch on fire and he saw it burn to the ground. So what Jesus is saying here directly relates to the Antichrist. At the midpoint of the Great Tribulation, the Antichrist who is to come, he will desecrate the Tribulation Temple, which means that there is going to be a temple built during the Tribulation, and will declare himself to be God. And those who flee will survive, while those who don't will perish. That is so true. Verse 15, and let him that is on the housetop not go down into the house, neither enter therein to take anything out of his house. And let him that is in the field not turn back again for to take up his garment. But woe to them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. And pray ye that your flight be not in winter. For in those days shall be affliction such as would not from the beginning of the creation which God created until this time neither shall be. Now this is very interesting because uh, we have history, and we know that the Babylonian invasion estimated that a th hundred thousand Jews died as a result of the destruction of Jerusalem, Solomon's temple. 
But now in the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD, 1.5 million Jews perished. Think about that. But now at Armageddon, John records that two thirds of the Jewish race is going to be massacred. Only a third are going to be left. Now, all of the Jews are going to be located at this time. They're going to be located in the nation of, of Israel. And so what does that mean? That means that nine million Jews are going to perish. Think about that. And notice what Jesus says now in verse 20. And except that the Lord has shortened those days, no flesh should be saved. But for the elect's sake, whom he hath chosen, he has shortened the days. Jesus is saying here that I am going to come at the right time to save Israel from total annihilation. Only a third of the Jews are going to be left. What a cost. What what a cost because of unbelief and rebellion. Most of our troubles today, I'm talking about within the Christian population, are, are a result of unbelief and rebellion. If we would surrender our life totally and completely to the Lord Jesus Christ and then determine then to obey and to do whatever he says do, most of our problems would disappear. Listen to what Zechariah says concerning this time. And it shall come to pass that in all the land, says the Lord, two parts therein shall be cut off and die, but the third part shall live therein. And I'll bring the third part through the fire and will refine them as silver is refined and will try them as gold is tried. They shall call on my name and I will hear them and I will say it is my people and they shall say the Lord is my God. Who are they saying that to? They're saying that to the, their Messiah, the Lord Jesus. And again, behold, the day of the Lord comes and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go, fight, go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. And there shall be a very great valley and half of the mountains shall remove toward the north and half of it toward the south. And you shall flee that third that remain and you shall flee to the valley of the mountains for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azel. Amen. And it's talking about how that God is going to rescue Israel in just the right point and just the right time. And then Jesus says this. He says, then if any man say to you, lo, here is Christ or lo, he is there. Believe him not for false Christ and false prophets shall rise and show signs and wonders to seduce. If it were possible, even the elect. But take ye heed. Behold, I've told you all things that took place prior to the destruction of Jerusalem. And it's going to take place all the way up to the rapture of the church. But then Jesus goes on and he says this. But if those days after the rapture, uh, but in those days after the tribulation, the sun shall be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars of heaven shall fall and the powers that are in heaven shall be shaken. John records the very same thing in the in the sixth chapter of the book of Revelation as pertaining to the end time. So Jesus here is speaking of the end time. And then shall they see the son of man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. 
And then shall he send his angels and shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from the uttermost part of the earth to the uttermost part of heaven. And now he says, learn a parable of the fig tree. When her branch is yet tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So ye in like manner, when ye shall see these things come to pass, know it is even at the doors. Verily I say unto you that this generation shall not pass till all these things be done. This generation is speaking of the generation that's going to uh, witness the destruction of Jerusalem. But notice what else Jesus says. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my, my word shall not pass away. But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, but neither the Son, but the Father. Take ye heed and pray, for ye know not when the time is. And that's speaking of our time today. We are to stay alert. Amen. Jesus has taken a far journey, but he's going to return someday. Amen. And when he does, you and I need to be looking up. We need to be living our life in such a way that we're expecting him to come at any moment. Praise God. Father, we love you. We thank you for this word now. Amen. And we apply it to our heart and life. And we give you praise and honor and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.